Amen. This morning, I wanted to begin a series on restoration. I wanted to talk about our vision at Hartford City Church. Our vision is that we would be a people that are experiencing God's beautiful restoration right here at Hartford. And as we do that, I'm really excited to delve into our vision and to tell you about how God has moved on us, moved in my heart to plant this church here in Hartford, now just two years old, that God gave us a vision. God gave me a vision for what he wants to see in Hartford. I believe that the verse that was read from Isaiah 61 gives us a picture of what God's vision is for the world. That's what we call our seed verse. That's the verse that God planted in my heart that began to give birth to this idea of bringing together a new church, a new community of faith in the city of Hartford. So I want to talk about our vision and what God has given to us. And in the context of restoration, I want to spend the next several weeks exploring that work that God is doing in our lives. And of course, when we talk about vision, we need to do a little vision test, don't we? We all need to test our vision, right? Because we need to be able to see clearly. And so the question I have for this morning is what do you see? What do you see? When you look at this world, what do you see? When you look at your own life, what do you see? What do you, how do you really see yourself? When you look at other people, how do you see them? What do you really see? Of course, you remember two weeks ago, we were talking about Jesus healing the blind man. And it was so much more than the physical healing because God wants us to see what he sees, right? God wants us to see his work in our lives. So let's just do a little uh, exercise here together. What do you see? And some of you will say, Pastor, I see a block of stone. It's pretty obvious, right? If you can't see a block of stone, then please go get your eyes checked. It's just a public service announcement. I'm going to let you know that. And if I can be real for a moment, when our oldest son, David, and I'm sorry, David, if you're listening on Periscope, when, when we took him to the eye doctor because we thought maybe he needed glasses, and we had waited a little too long, because when he sat down in the eye doctor's chair, and the doctor said, can you read, you know, whatever line it was on the chart, David said, what chart? While we sucked down his parents and thought we waited a little too long to bring this kid to the You can even see the chart on the wall. This kid needed glasses, right? But what do you see, right? What do you see when you see this block of stone, this block of marble, right? I mean, some people, what? Oh my, oh my gosh. We are all under construction here, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You know what? I'm just going to restart it. It's going to work. I know it's going to work. The Lord is going to let it work this morning. I know I ended the slideshow. Thank you, Kino, for telling me the presenters into the slideshow. But I'm trying to start it again, if you don't mind, Kino. All right, it started on mine. Maybe it'll start there. How come the first slide came up with the rest of it? No, no good, no bueno, Myota? All right. No? Can you refresh it? Why don't you refresh yours first before I do mine? Oh, man. Can you refresh yours? And then we'll see if it works. If it doesn't, then I'll refresh mine. Loading, loading, loading. This is how we live our lives. What? I I promise you I started it. Oh wait, here it comes. Here it comes. Here it comes. It's coming. I don't need a break. You know what? I'm coming really. Starting, 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 
you guys were all ready to run to the eye doctor, weren't you? You were like, that was just like my illustration. You're like, what's the hard? My son, what sharp? Now you guys were ready to run. All right, so what do you see? You see a block of stone. Now you see it. Now you know. Um, a block of marble. And different people will look at it differently, right? Most of us just say it's a block of stone. A scientist might look at it a little differently. Someone who works with marble, they might look at it a little differently. You might see different things about it. But here's what the great artist Michelangelo said. He said, I saw the angel in the marble, and I carved until I said it free. You see, what a great artist can do is see what's inside. See the potential. Get the vision. Isn't that beautiful? That's what he carved. that block of marble. And he could see inside and see what it looked like. And I believe that's the way God is in our lives because God is the great creator, amen? God is the greatest artist, right? And that means that God can see inside. God can see what isn't there. God can see the potential that we have, right? When we might just see a block of stone, when we might not understand what our life is about, what God is going to do, God can see inside, right? And how does he get to what's inside? He chisels away, doesn't he? He knocks some stuff off. He gets rid of some things. He gets rid of everything that doesn't belong. And it might hurt. And it might be painful. But it's God's work of bringing out the beauty inside of us. That's the vision that God has for the world. And this block, I believe, I think represents a lot of us when we're young. And I want to say when we're very young in this day and age, if I may, when we're in elementary school, we feel like there's potential, right? We feel like there's things we can do. But unfortunately, way too soon in life. Things begin to happen to us, right? The struggles come. The difficulties come. The hardship comes. And things in our life begin to break. Families begin to break. Our relationships begin to break. Our dreams and our hopes get broken. Our friends go through something difficult. That even though it's breaking them, somehow in our heart it's breaking us as well. And we feel the brokenness of life. And we get to the point where I'm not even that marble stone with potential anymore. I'm just some crumbled pieces of rock lying on the ground. But what God wants to do, because God is so great, is even restore that. That's the beauty. Michelangelo could take the block and carve the beautiful angel out of it. But Jesus Christ, the creator of heaven and earth, can take the broken pieces of our lives. And he can build them into something beautiful. What does Jesus see? You see, we look at our lives and we see the brokenness. We see what's wrong. We see the pain. We see the suffering. And it's important that we see that, that we're honest. But then Jesus comes and he puts his hand on our shoulder and he says, let me begin to whisper to you what I see, what I see in your life. So for the next couple weeks, the next four weeks, actually, we're going to be talking about restoration. We're going to be talking about what it means to restore something, for God to restore our lives. And as I talk about and teach about and preach about restoration, we're also going to be actually restoring something in the physical to represent the spiritual. So what does restore mean? These are the definitions. It means to give back, to build up again, to repair, or to renew. And that is the work that I believe that God wants to do in this world because the whole world he created, he created beautifully out of nothing, right? But then it was broken by sin. It was broken by evil. We participated in the breaking of the world even as we ourselves 
we're broken. But God is busy restoring. I believe that's what those verses in Isaiah were all about. So why did I feel led to bring this vision into Hartford? This is the city of Hartford. And my question there in the city of Hartford is the same question. What do we see? What do we see when we look at the city of Hartford? What do we really see? When they read that verse from Isaiah, and God gives his vision for the world, and then in verse 4 it says that the people that God brings together that they will restore the ruined cities. They will renew, they would rebuild. And of course, I thought about Hartford, right? And I know a lot of people have a lot of opinions about Hartford, right? And what do we see when we look at Hartford? Hartford isn't the only city that has problems. You should know that. Hartford's not the only city that has problems in the world. But we want to look honestly at the city of Hartford. And we want to see, what do we see? People talk about crime, right? Talk about crime. They talk about a poor economy. And actually those two things go together. Did you know that 85% of all crime in Hartford is income related? Meaning that people are doing it to get money. Think about that for a minute. And while it can cost sixty-five dollars to $70,000 a year to house someone in jail, what would that do as an income for someone? A household income instead. So we understand that we need jobs, we need economy, we need to do something about the crime in Hartford. It makes it all the more apparent because we live in one of the richest states in America. Do you understand that? Connecticut as a state is either number one or number two. Crazy New Jersey keeps vying with us for the top spot, right? But we're the richest state. Hartford is sometimes one of the ten poorest cities in the United States. So the disparity is greater. So we see it and we feel it. And we know that those are the challenges that are faced. Do you ever drive through Hartford and see neighborhoods that are blighted, neighborhoods that are broken, neighborhoods that need to be restored? Yes. We know that the education system, well, we have some of the best schools in the Magdalene Regional Schools. We have struggles in the public schools, don't we? And whenever I talk to anyone about Hartford, here's what they say. We need to do something for our youth. Our youth need education. Our youth need mentoring. Our youth need jobs. Our youth need opportunities. And I just have to say as I listen to this work, that we need people that can work with their hands again. It's not just about getting a piece of paper that many of you know may or may not get you a job. Right? And then you gotta get another piece of paper, a master's, and then you gotta get another piece of paper, right? And we have people, they're paying welders in parts of this country over hundred grand a year because they can't find enough people to go to weld anymore. But do you, have you ever looked at Hartford and seen the great things about Hartford? Anyone? Amen? Amen? I mean, those are like, mm, I'm not so sure, right? That's what people think. But Hartford has great things. Hartford has some of the best parks of any city. In fact, how many of you know, raise your hand if you know this, that Bushnell Park is the very first city park in the United States of America. How many of you know that the Wadsworth Museum is the very first museum in the, state, in the United States of America? How many of you know that the Capitol Building is the very first Capitol Building built in the United States of America? How many of you know that Connecticut was once a source of innovation, right? And, and, and of things that, that were being done, right? How many of you know that there is such a strong, rich history here in Hartford? There are great restaurants in Hartford, amen? Take one look at me and you'll know there are great restaurants in the city of Hartford. Hallelujah, I love to eat, and I love to eat in Hartford. There are vibrant ethnic communities in Hartford, right? 
There's a strong, rich Puerto Rican heritage in Hartford. There's Caribbean American heritage in Hartford. There's Italian and Polish and Greek heritage in Hartford, Connecticut. We see that there are many good things. What do we see when we look at Hartford? We see the brokenness, yes. But do we see the potential? And what about the spiritual life of Hartford? Do you know that there are lots of churches in Hartford? Do you know that there are over 200 churches in Hartford? 200 churches just in the city of Hartford. But we know that people are disconnected from God today, right? In fact, how many of you know that Hartford was founded as a church? It was founded by a pastor. Pastor Thomas Hooker came from Boston. And he said, I want to bring together a group of Christians. And we think the people in Boston are a little legalistic. They're a little strict. So we want to come to a place where we experience more freedom in Christ. We want to set up a city on a hill, as Jesus talked about, that people would see the light of Christ shining through us. In fact, one of the early nicknames of Hartford was the House of Good Hope. It was about light and hope and the presence of Christ in the world that the city was founded and brought together 400 years ago. But now we have some of the lowest percentage of people that go to church of any kind in the whole nation. The lowest percentage of people that have any connection to God, right? Because unfortunately we know that there are good churches and there are not so good churches. And what we've done is we've been to a place where people are very disconnected from God. So the second question that we must ask after we say what do we see is this. What does God see? What does God see when he looks at Hartford? What does God see? Remember from two weeks ago when the disciples were asking Jesus about the blind man and they wanted to know who sinned, him or his parents. And I love Jesus' response. His his response has been haunting me. Jesus said to them, don't look for someone to blame Instead, look for what God can do. We are here in Hartford because I believe that God is moving in Hartford. I believe that God is moving in Hartford. I can feel it in my bones. I can feel it in my soul. So what can we do? So we see the vision. We see the need. We have this idea that God is on the move. What can we do? And when I think about the different aspects of Hartford, I kind of compare it to our bodies. We have a mind, a body, and a soul, right? And a lot of people in Hartford are working on the health of our minds. We're working on these. Education needs to be improved, right? Even our mental health, our psychological health, right across the street is the Institute of Living. And all across this city are counselors, people that are working to help heal the mind of Hartford, right? And there are people that are invested in the innovation and in the intellect of Hartford. And when I think of the body, I think about what we need, right? Food and clothes and a place to live, right? And many people need that in Hartford. And there are many organizations that are working on that, that are helping people find food, helping people find clothes, helping people find a place to live, working on all of those issues that are so important to our life, right? But I think about the soul. What about the soul of Hartford? What about, I mean, what if we became suddenly the greatest city in the United States with all kinds of economy and all kinds of jobs and we got rid of homelessness in the city of Hartford and everybody had a place to live and the neighborhoods were safe and all the schools were doing great and that would be wonderful. But the danger is that we would build something based on the world's definition of success. And if all of that happened, but we were still disconnected from God, what does it profit us? If we renew the whole city of Hartford, but forfeit our soul. 
What is the soul of Hartford? So this is what a church can uniquely do. What a community of faith can uniquely do is we can care for the soul of the city. We can care for the spiritual life of people in the city of Hartford. So another way to put our vision is this. This is what I believe Hartford City Church is all about. We want to bring together a group of people who love Jesus and love their neighbors and invite people through compelling love to enter into a life-giving relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. That's what I'm inviting you to. You guys that have come here, I'm inviting you. This is what I want you to join us in. Coming together, being a group of people that love Jesus and really love our neighbors, love the people around us. And then invite everyone that we can into this life-giving relationship through the compelling love of God. I don't know. We need some people that are excited about that. We need some people that have some energy about that. They realize, I can't do everything. I can't solve all of the problems. But I can come together and I can pray for the soul of this city, for the souls of the community, for the souls of people that need to know that God loves them, that Jesus died for them, that he cares for them. This is the work that God is doing. And when God gave me this vision, when God gave me this vision, I saw pictures of bridges in my mind. Oh, I'm telling you, I saw clearly all of the bridges that come in and out of heart. And I said, God said, you're going to build bridges. You're going to build bridges in Hartford. There's two ways that we're building bridges at Hartford City Church. We're doing it through relationships and through strategic partnerships, if I can say that. I believe that we need people from other cities to come in to get to know the people of Hartford. Because sometimes when you're hurt, you need help. I think of the famous story of Jesus in the parable of the Good Samaritan. The man was robbed. He was beaten. He was stripped. He was left for dead on the road. He needed help. At that point, he could not help himself. He needed someone from the outside to come in and to give him a hand up and to help him, and to care for his wounds, and to take him to the inn, and to give him a place to sleep, and give him some money until he got better. And the man didn't stay and help him for the rest of his life, no. The man, when he got better, had to get up, and had to begin to help himself again. And we don't know if they put together a commission to talk about the safety of this road that he was on, but I bet you they did. I bet you people were concerned that this wouldn't happen again, and maybe that man became involved in making the road safe for other people. We're talking about a holistic thing here, but we also need relationships. We need because we're neighbors. That's why people come from other, you come from other cities, you are neighbors in Hartford. And we need to be good neighbors to each other. And guess what? Those of you who live in Hartford, you have something to give to us. You have ways that you can help us and encourage, because we're neighbors. We need to come together. The state's too small. I'm telling you, man, I've lived out west. You could put Connecticut in one county of Colorado. You could put Connecticut in one small area. There would probably be 500 Connecticut's in California. We're way too small not to care about each other. People live 20 minutes away from each other. And, oh, that's so far. I can't drive there. Come on. We should care. You know what happens in Hartford? Right over there at that Capitol building, decisions are made every day that affect the lives of each and every one of you, no matter what city you live in. Tell me you shouldn't care about this capital city. Tell me you shouldn't care about what happens in Hartford. There's so much industry, so much economy that happens in Hartford. So many businesses in Hartford. We could become so much greater and everyone would be blessed. And spiritually, I 
think God's working the same way. I think God wants to bring revival to Connecticut, amen? And revival to New England. But he's going to start in Hartford. He's going to start in Hartford. And I came to Hartford not because there was nothing going on, but I came to Hartford exactly because there was things going on. So the second way we build bridges is with our partners. We partner with other churches in Hartford, with House of Praise and Worship, right down there. We partner with South Church right over there. We partner with the Citadel of Love in the North End. We partner with the Salvation Army. We partner with a group of churches called the Faith-Based Initiative that's bringing churches together to care for the soul of this city. And actually, not only the soul, but the body and the mind as well. Amen? We come together and we join what God is doing. I did. I felt in my heart, God says, I'm about to move in Hartford. And I said, God, I want to get in on that. I want to jump in. I want to be a part of that. This is what I believe God is doing. God is in the process of building something beautiful in Hartford. And we want to be a part of it. God is healing us. So we can participate in the healing of others. Just look at that. God, you know that. You didn't wander in and volunteer for this, but God tapped you on the shoulder. That's how you got here this morning. I believe it. Because so few people in Connecticut and Hartford even walk into a church. People are not stumbling into church. Amen. Anybody ever been to the South? Anybody ever been to the South? It's different there, isn't it? Amen. People just stumble into church, you know? You just like, people just stumble and you just like accidentally, you could have 500,000 people in church. It's a different kind of atmosphere. Here people just don't accidentally stumble into church. Even if they think they do, I think it's because God has tapped them on the shoulder. Said, hey, chosen you. Chosen you. Yes. I've chosen you. It's a weird thing. It's a both end, isn't it? I choose God and he chooses me. It's both. Somehow it's both, right? Somehow you gotta be, so I'm gonna go to this Hartford City Church, right? 
But somehow God was choosing you to come here, right? It's bold. Somehow you thought, I'm going to go here this morning. I'm making this choice. But somehow God said, I want you here this morning for a reason. You are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood. We operate under the power and authority of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Amen? You need to understand this. We do not operate under my authority. We do not operate under your authority. We don't even operate under the authority of the covenant church to which we belong. But Jesus Christ himself has said, I am bringing you together under my name and my authority. And I'm giving you power to be priests in this world. Amen? That means, believe it or not, you're a king or a queen this morning. Amen? Turn to someone. Turn to someone and say, you are a king or you're a queen. Turn them, say, you're a king, you're a queen. You are that. You understand that? You're a king. King Jose, you're a king. Jessica, you're a queen. Queen Jessica. Yes, you are a royal priesthood. And what does a priest do? Taxes, taxes, right? What does a priest do? Two things. A priest stands in between the people of God. So a priest has two roles. This is what God wants you to do. First, first and foremost, before we do anything else, we must be the priest that God is holding. And what does the priest do? He speaks to God on behalf of the people. A priest speaks to God on behalf of the people. That's what a priest did from the beginning of time. Any priest of any religion, they represent the people of God. And that means we need to pray for the people of our That means we come to that means I come here, and if I stand here and do the relationships of the people I go to Hartford, I begin to pray to God for Hartford. That has power. And those are the first two things that we must do. 
And that's why we've gathered together every Sunday for two and a half years to declare the praises of the one who brought us out of darkness and was wonderful and to intercede on behalf of this great city that is around us. I believe in the power of presence. I believe that yeah, you can pray for somebody anywhere, but when you stand in the ground, when you stand in the neighborhood, when you drive through the streets, you are your presence. Oh, your presence is bringing the kingdom of God into this place because we are a holy nation, amen? Holy means different. Some people think holy means like, oh, I'm all righteous. The basic definition of the Holy Word is different. So I tell you, friends, Christian brothers and sisters, you are different. You are peculiar. Turn to somebody and say, you are peculiar. Amen? Because you are. You are peculiar. You are peculiar. You are different. And I got a feeling that we're this kind of group that we own that, right? We're the kind of group that says, like, yeah, I am different. I'm proud of it. I'm peculiar. Amen? I got it. I heard you, what'd you say, dilly dilly? You are different, I heard you say dilly dilly. We are different, we are peculiar. We are not the same as others. This church is a different kind of church. It's peculiar. I had a pastor from the Bronx praying over me. And he said, God, you are doing a peculiar work in this church. I'm like, peculiar. And I'm praying for this peculiar pastor. He's doing this peculiar work in this different city. It's true. We are holy. We are set apart. We are different. We are unique. Because God is bringing us together as a nation. Why did, why did my heart did I want this diverse church to see around us this morning? I praise God for it. I wanted the different nations, the different groups, the different people to be right? Because God is forming us into a new identity, a new nation, right? The kingdom of God. That we now have a new, even ethnicity, if I can say that. We have a new identity. And that identity is that we are bound by the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? Some of you know how strong your blood is. How strong is your family to you? It's blood, right? That's your right or die people. Right? That's your blood, right? That's my blood. Well, I want to tell you that your Christian brothers and sisters are your blood by the blood of Jesus Christ. That there is an even stronger blood than that. And none of it goes away. None of it goes away. If you're Puerto Rican, you're still Puerto Rican, praise God. If you're still Jamaican, you're still Jamaican, praise God. If you're, if you're Italian, you're still Italian, praise God. If you're Minnesotan, whatever Minnesotans are, you're still Minnesotan, praise God. If you're New Orleans, you're still New Orleans, praise God. If you're Boston, God have mercy, you're still Boston, praise the Lord. If you're New York, you know you're in New York. You can't get that New York out of people. That New York is just stuck in you. Amen. But the beauty of it is that God gives you a new identity. It gives new power and unique to all of that, right? We are bound by the blood of Christ. We are bound by the blood of Christ. And that's why we partake in the table this morning. That's why we come together in communion. Because we remember that all the broken and dislocated pieces of the world are being brought together through the power and the presence of Jesus Christ. And this table has represented for followers of Christ for 2,000 years, represented the power and the presence of Christ. And we do it in the physical to remind ourselves of the spiritual reality of what God is doing. God's working on us, man. He's taking the pieces of our life. Maybe he's 
like scraping with that flame in your life right now. Maybe God has collected all the broken pieces of who you are and he's bringing it together into something beautiful that he's going to by his power and by his presence. Isn't it so brilliant that Jesus was a carpenter? Do you see that now? Isn't it so brilliant that when he came to do as the Son of God, he did as the Son of Man. This whole life, he took things and he rebuilt them and he restored them and he put them together again. And I bet the stuff Jesus made was beautiful. I bet the stuff he made was just on point. I bet the things that he created, people were like, wow, that is amazing. And Jesus all the time is thinking, yeah, but watch what I'm going to do with human lives. Watch what I'm going to do to restore you and rebuild people. I'm building now with the wood, but watch what I'm going to do when I'm building with the human heart. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be beautiful. Jesus is the carpenter that is putting us together and is restoring and renewing our lives, making something beautiful happen. And so when we come to the Lord's table, we remember that he took a piece of bread, he broke it, gave thanks, and handed it out and said, this is my body. Why is this important? Because these pieces represent our brokenness. And Jesus, guys, this, catch this. Jesus entered into our brokenness and became broken himself. You are not alone. You are not alone. You are not the only one that's broken. Because Jesus was broken. Jesus entered into the brokenness of this world. Jesus entered into the broken pieces of your life. And he began to restore. He began to rebuild. He began to renew. And then when we take communion, we dip it in this cup of juice, or we take a little juice and drink it. And we remember that Jesus said, this is my blood. And what does blood represent? It represented for him and the Jewish people the life. They said, the life is in the blood. The life is in the blood. So when we take, we remember that it's the life of Jesus Christ that gives us the power to bring our broken pieces back together. It's a great idea that all of the broken and dislocated pieces of the universe would be brought together into something beautiful. It's a great idea, but where's the power to do it? The power is in the presence and the life of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, who rose again from the dead and gave us his Holy Spirit of fire and power so that we might know that his life is with us every single moment of every single day to give us the power to even see this beautiful restoration coming to be. So I'm going to invite you to come forward. I'm going to invite you to partake in this communion together. That as you take a piece of bread, you would remember that Christ entered into our brokenness in order to heal us. And as you dip it in the cup or as you take a cup of juice, remember and pray, Christ, I need your power and your presence, your life, in order to be able to have the power to have this healing, this restoration happen in my life. I'm going to invite our servers to come forward at this moment. And as they sit up and prepare, I'd like each one of you to prepare your hearts to enter into this time. I believe... I believe this is going to be the most powerful time of communion you've ever had in your life. I believe that Christ is going to open up his presence 
in ways that you've never felt before. Because I believe that God is about to move in a mighty way in this place. Let's pray. Jesus Christ, by your grace, would you release your presence in the most powerful way we've ever known this morning. God, meet us in our brokenness. Strengthen us by your spirit.